As of this recording on April 20th, global cases of COVID-19 exceeds 2.4 million, with over 772,000 of those cases in the United States. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and on today's special episode of Connections to Experience, I'm joined by Dr. Keith Nelson. We're going to sit down and chat about what's changed in healthcare, what our biggest challenges are moving forward, and what we can expect from telehealth in the future. Dr. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Penny. Very happy to be here. We're excited to have you to have not only, you know, someone directly affiliated with the healthcare industry, but also you're sort of in the hub right now in New York. And just want to give you a moment to introduce yourself, sort of what your background is and what brings you to the podcast today from a healthcare perspective. Sure. Hello to the uh, listening audience. I am the Director of Healthcare Strategy at Connection. My primary responsibilities are creating innovative solutions that address the emerging problems in the healthcare community with an end result, hopefully, of improving patient outcomes. Going back a little bit in history, I started out uh, in clinical practice many moons ago and eventually made the transition into business delivery and eventually technology and how it intersects. My primary focus in prior years has been always on healthcare, but with an injection of finance and now technology. Excellent. We're really looking forward to uh, this conversation today. I'll call you Dr. Keith for the duration, if that's okay. (laughs) Mostly just because I like the sound of it and, you know, you worked hard for it, so why not? So, you know, looking at, obviously, healthcare is a huge topic right now, not only from, you know, influx in patients, sanitization, infection control, all of these perspectives, but, you know, kind of, you know, breaking it down a little bit, What would you say, you know, if you could put your finger on two or three things, what do you think are some of the biggest changes in healthcare that we've seen just over the last, you know, five, six, seven weeks of what's been going on? It's actually, it's a great question because healthcare, it's a a field of moving pieces always. And there's always a big, big thrust forward year to year. But clearly, in the wake of this pandemic, what has been surprising and interesting is the emergence and the mainstreaming of telemedicine and the Mm. telemedicine technology. So most people, whether they're in healthcare or not, are very familiar with working from home now. There was a bunch of discomfort initially on this, and I think people have become inured to the technology, which I believe will carry forward. In addition to this, you had made mention of infection control, which also has now surfaced as a primary issue of focus, especially in healthcare treating environments. But we're all familiar with quarantine or modified quarantine now, where we're inspecting everything that comes through our doors and trying to limit our exposure to any possible pathogens. So both of those have emerged as the primary factors within healthcare. And I think that both of them will carry forward to a great degree when we normalize. 
Yeah, you know, I kind of had that question around telehealth specifically because I'm seeing it in ways I never have before. Obviously, I'm fortunate enough not to have needed to have any sort of direct telehealth with my doctor, but a couple of family members have needed to have evaluations and they've done that all from the comfort of their living room. And I've been asking myself the question of, you know, when we have some sort of semblance of normalcy, you know, come back into our lives. Do we think that healthcare providers are going to maintain this new telehealth strategy or kind of implement more of a hybrid strategy where it makes sense? What are sort of your thoughts or opinions on the the future outlook of how it's implemented? Well, you know, it's interesting when telemedicine has been around for a little bit more than 20 years, but it never really caught on very heavily because it's always about follow the money and the Mm -hmm. reimbursements were usually very low. And so it was difficult to get buy-in. But the initial applications, and this was promoted heavily by the Obama administration, was for a rural environment where the folks who live in rural environments have difficulty getting to and from their doctors. But there's great value, as we've now discovered, in a lot of other areas. I can tell you, from my perspective, healthcare consists of really five main categories. One of them, and I'll simplify this, is patient-to-patient contact. So we all know that as a video conference. Mm -hmm. The second is patient-to-provider or patient-to-doctor. And that also has a video component, but there are additional components where you have large files, maybe with images that have to be transferred very, very quickly. So that's the second component. The third is provider or doctor to satellite facility. This is where you have a brick and mortar office somewhere that's far away from where you are. And that office is equipped with diagnostic equipment that transmits over the internet. So an example of this, I'm in New York, would be NYU Hospital, for instance. When they want to set up in Buffalo, New York, which is an eight-hour drive away, but they don't want to build a hospital. They could just rent out a local office, put a nurse or a PA in there give them some diagnostic equipment. And then if somebody comes in off the assembly line in the afternoon with an eye injury, that nurse can call up by video, the doctor at NYU Hospital who's an ophthalmologist. The ophthalmologist will say to the nurse, pick up the ophthalmoscope, do what I tell you with it. And it's just like that doctor being in the room. So in that case, the utilization is extending the presence of the hospital, the penetration hospital to a, a remote location, which is brick and mortar. So that's third use. The fourth use is inpatient or in the hospital patient monitoring. So this would be for stroke management, ICUs, where for every one of these ICU type rooms, if there's one patient in the room, and it may hold 20, but if there's at least one patient in the room, there has to be at least one nurse assigned. So you could have six rooms with two patients in each and have six nurses assigned. So it turns out that JCO, the organization that certifies hospital Mm -hmm. has allowed electronic equipment to go in and feed into a monitoring service so that one person can monitor six rooms. And this comes into play for reallocating staff. So that's a very, very interesting application, especially now that we're setting up tents remotely for people who are in the ICU, and we can now have better coverage. And the last category is consumer-facing, which is home monitoring You got released from the hospital and you're sent home because you're a diabetic with a glucometer or a weight scale or a spirometer that communicates over the internet. And once a day you step on that weight scale and it goes to a monitoring agency. And if you gain six pounds overnight, you're gonna get a call from a nurse 
It says you need to get into your doctor. You may be having some kind of pulmonary or cardiopulmonary episode, and we want you on medication. We do not want you back in the hospital. And the other half to that category is the Fitbit, Garmin, Apple Watch category. Also, consumer-facing collects all this data, and it should be going somewhere. So those are the five categories of telemedicine. And we're finding more and more applications of this by hospitals that are getting creative in this environment. Do you think when, you know, obviously, I think that there's a few challenges that come with, you know, implementing these five types. One, access to technology, bringing in the equipment that they need. One, I I think there's probably a number of privacy issues that go into that, you know, with transferring medical information, secure connection and communication, all of that. What do you see as the biggest challenge in sort of the deployment of this after the fact? Do you see it being a technology reason? Do you see it be a funding reason? You know, like you said, follow the money. In-person engagements are, you know, my sister works for a very big hospital here in Boston and works in revenue. And, you know, that is a, there's something they're concerned about is losing an inpatient experience and revenue associated with that. You know, of all of these things that are the challenges, what would you point out is maybe some of the biggest challenges or hurdles that we're going to have to overcome in order to have a true successful implementation of telehealth moving into the future? So it's a multifactorial question. I would tell you from a technology side, we're pretty much ready for prime time now as far as security around the solutions that are out there. There are very many of them. And I'll get into this, you know, in a few minutes um, as I describe this further. But some of the big hurdles, the main one was reimbursement. Another very, very big hurdle has always been cross-state coverage. Mm. So in general, states reserve the right to both license and police healthcare providers. It's always been their privilege. So I'm in New York. If I'm in Manhattan and New Jersey is two miles across the river, if I go online and somebody from New Jersey needs my assistance, I technically can't assist them because I'm not licensed in the state of New Jersey. So given that the the internet is a great conduit to connect everybody, as Mark Zuckerberg has said, this presents an obstacle to get around. And the way companies have been getting around it uh, to this point, meaning telehealth companies like an American Well or an MD Live or a Teladoc, is they know where you are by geofencing and location. And when you go online, if you're in Massachusetts, the only providers that you will see who are on call are segmented off. They are Uh. only Massachusetts providers. Or they select providers who are licensed in several states. That's how it's been handled up until now. And of course, then there's the HIPAA privacy issues. So all three of those are very interesting because in the wake of this pandemic, The government has relaxed restrictions around all three of these things. So number one, Medicare is now reimbursing the doctors for telemedicine services at the exact same rate that they would get if that patient physically walked into their office. So where before, I believe the average reimbursement for Medicare was, say, $25. Now, if you get $100, that, you know, in an office visit, that's what you'll be getting online. So. The driving factor, again, show me the money. I believe that that will carry forward because the horse is out of the stall now on this. After this pandemic, I think that patients have become used to this and they've become accustomed and happy about the delivery that they're getting and the convenience around it. And the providers certainly like it. I can tell you from a provider standpoint, 
every colleague that I have that I've talked to about telemedicine over the past seven years or so has said the same thing. If you can arrange for me to have a telemedicine practice, I will give up my regular practice now. Interesting. Interesting. Then there's the HIPAA compliance issue, privacy. So there are conduits that connect that are HIPAA compliant. There's privacy built into them. But one of the restrictions that's been lifted now because of the emergency aspect to all of this is that the HIPAA requirements have been relaxed for this pandemic. And so you can use a Zoom or a Google Hangout that are not necessarily HIPAA compliant because we have an overabundance of patients needing treatment and interaction. And for right now, during an emergency, privacy has gone out the window. Now, that's something that will reverse. Uh, Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I can't imagine, you know, I could see, you know, potentially some of these providers like Zoom and the like maybe getting something that's unprecedented right now is everyone seems to be getting in a game they weren't in before and manufacturing something or accommodating for something they weren't doing before. And, you know, maybe that's the next wave of technology is that we have these more pronounced software and telecommunications providers that get in into the healthcare game by gaining HIPAA compliance and and things like that. You know, I I know you don't have a crystal ball, but could you eventually see maybe something like that being an evolution that, you know, all of these social platforms now start becoming a healthcare platform for us? Oh, I think there's no question that's going to happen right away. You're not going to have to wait for that. In fact, it's probably in process now Mm. because of the high utilization. The other thing I would add is we talked about the cross-state coverage problem. Now, that's another thing that's going to go back as soon as the pandemic ends because the states want to collect money and they want their policing and licensing privileges. But this has been something that's been on the legislative agenda for quite some time. If you're in New York and you're a snowbird and you go down to Florida, you want to be able to see your New York doctors while you're down there. So a bunch of states over the past few years have formed co-ops or consortiums out west. I think Colorado's running one where four or five states agree to have reciprocity. And there have been these upstart initiatives all over the place. I think that this is going to force national legislation to allow in some way for cross-state coverage. Um, We'll see where it goes. But as I said, I believe I said the horse is out of the stall, and it is. I think that the consumer demand will drive this forward. I have a question for you, too. This is Rob here. And my question would be, with everything that's going on now with, you know, the IoT devices that are out there, and you had mentioned a number of those and the mobility, you know, the mobile solutions that you have, the algorithms that are kind of wrapped around it and, you know, the AI that's also involved. It looks like right now, as you mentioned, that a lot of these doctors, if they could, you know, give it all up and they could just do telehealth, that they would sign up for that. It's all about being scalable. So their practice could be incredibly scalable. Now, like you said, there's those challenges where you have, you know, from state to state, and the states are obviously going to want to, you know, hold as much of that as they possibly can. But as we start looking at, you know, the continuity plans within the healthcare industry, I would think that that new legislation that would be coming that you alluded to down the line would almost need to happen because they're going to want to prepare for the next whatever it is, whether it's another potential pandemic, whether it's the next health crisis, whatever that looks like, that, you know, you look back and say, well, in 2020, we had that. We had an opportunity to fix some of this stuff. Why did we go backwards? So I only see a lot of what's happening right now as 
moving forward. And I, I, I don't know if you can speak to that. I mean, we, again, I know Penny said you don't have a crystal ball, but I'm just really curious to see with all of these advances that has happened in a very short amount of time, what is going to hold on? You know, it's a good question. It's, it's almost a million dollar question. Now that we're talking in terms of trillions, I guess a million doesn't mean very much anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I, you know, my feeling is very well aligned with yours, that moving forward, I think there's going to be a demand to legislate and to continue on and improve upon what we currently have. You know, I exaggerated a little bit with you before about doctors, you know, completely changing their practices over. A lot could probably do it, but there's still a need, right? You now you have to feel somebody's pulse. You have to pretty much get a physical read on some people where Telemedicine is only good in certain instances and not all instances. It is a certain, certainly a great enhancement um, and certainly great in this particular environment. And, you know, moving forward, we're going to have much, much better IoT. You know, maybe they'll develop a system where you can measure your own blood at home and vital components. Right now, we have things like a wireless stethoscope for $100. You could buy it and have it at home. And you know, when you go into the doctor and they put this thing on your back into your chest and tell you to breathe in, you could probably do that from home and it could be transmitted over the internet. A while back, I was looking for a t-shirt that had 12 EKG leads in it. So instead of having those things taped to you, you could just put the shirt on. Huh. Great idea. Now in the middle of the night with chest pain, you can, you know, get on with a doctor virtually and they can get a true EKG reading and you save yourself $3,000 from going into the ER. So, I think a lot of this, the dust will settle and the technology is going to improve and we'll see where we go. But one of the big changes that's happening right now because of this crisis and the economic crisis that's been caused by it is you're going to have further consolidation in the industry. A lot of doctors are going to be going bankrupt or being forced to sell. And so you're going to have consolidation in the industry, both on the hospital side, probably on the insurance side and on the technology side. Prices are going to go up because it's going to be less competition. And I think we're going to have to wrestle with all of this going forward. And plus the possible move towards a more socialized healthcare system plays into it as well. So your guess is as good as mine as far as where we're going, but there's going to be a lot of change and change that has been accelerated. And I don't think healthcare is unique in this situation. I think, you know, tap into any industry right now and one, it's not, nothing is happening in a vacuum. So every single disruption leads to the next disruption, leads to the next one. And it's almost like this swirling of changes happening around us all at one time. And you kind of just hit on the next point. I, it was a good segue into, you know, when I'm thinking of telehealth, virtual engagements, being able to access doctors from state to state, not being so worried about state lines anymore, putting us one step closer to that more of a universal healthcare model. You know, everything that I see is almost putting us one step closer to that model just for the sheer access and more going into more rural areas, a more equitable way to have health care for us as individuals. But that certainly is going to have detrimental impacts to the industry itself as it goes through those ebbs and flows, but not necessarily a bad thing either. I mean, I'm sure we've seen crises like this before that have caused a disruption in health care that brought us to where we were today. I think that's true. And of course, this is a political football as far as, you know, universal right. social medicine going forward. I think we get there in steps. I think because of this crisis, the steps are bigger. 
And so it's going to be more accelerated than it would have been otherwise. But I agree with you. You know, a lot of people are very, very much against a single payer system. You know, if you look at it just from a financial perspective and an operational perspective, it's very, very difficult to control costs when you have a third party that's in the middle of payments. It's like having a rich father that, you know, is paying all your credit card bills. You know, you're not the one who's responsible. You know, so far it's worked out pretty well for us. We have a very good healthcare system, but it's really buckling under the financial weight of the last few years, especially as we come up with new and innovative treatments in the area of oncology. And, you know, you could spend $100,000 per month on a medication. So someone's got to address these issues. I suspect that this will be shortly forthcoming, but your guess is as good as mine. And of course, you know, now you've got greater adoption of smartphones, even by elderly people. They're FaceTiming with their grandchildren. They've become more accustomed to using technology where, you know, in the past, they would just turn their noses up at this. So those are very powerful devices if they're used as well. There's a connectivity with the home and with the nursing home. Right. So it's fascinating when I think about that. And I know that Jamal Khan had done a couple of episodes on AI and all of the advancements of AI within within the healthcare industry as well. And have you seen like what some of those innovations have been, you know, surrounding AI also? Well, the primary application that I could think of where AI comes into play, and it comes into play in a lot of areas, would be in something called clinical decision support. So I would, this is not eliminating the doctor. It's supposed to be a tool for the doctor to enhance the doctor's performance. But the example that I would give you is, let's say you have that EKG t-shirt and you're at home and you plug it into your computer and there's AI software that can read your EKG and tell you if you're having a heart attack or if you're having a problem. There's no human intervention there. Or if you use that auscultation device that I told you about, where you breathe in and out, it's a wireless stethoscope. And instead of a doctor answering you know, what they hear, the computer could do that. Now, of course, this has a lot of doctors nervous, just like an electronic reading of x-rays, for instance, because they don't want to be removed from the equation. And of course, computers and AI are nowhere near being able to substitute for doctors. But as we move forward, that substitution will become more and more realistic. So that's where I see AI going in uh, assistance with diagnoses. Okay. And I, I know we had one of the questions out there was, what is the single greatest aha moment that you think has come out of this crisis within healthcare? I got to tell you, it's telemedicine because okay. it really came from the eighth post position at Belmont to the first. All of a sudden, this hits the mainstream, not within months, within days. Just incredible. And the requests that we've been getting for these types of solutions and all of the vendors that deal in this field are overwhelmed by the demand. And I am sure that this is not a filling of the gap. I think that this will carry forward and you will have a rapid expansion of telehealth and telepresence as we move forward out of this crisis. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, we are all very curious to see, you know, where all of this is heading. We appreciate what you do on the front yeah. lines. And it sounds like Penny is back. Oh, there. I've okay. been back. <laughs> oh, all right. The joys of technology. Can't see you. 
We went out and just so you know, and, and we'll be editing some of this. Um, we are definitely in the, the throes of <laughs> some wonderful technology right now. I, You know, I think, though, every time, not every time, but, you know, throughout the course of the day, everyone is experiencing some sort of technology technology struggle, a glitch, a connection issue. And, you know, looking at what everything you've said about telehealth and IoT and things like that, I I think this is one of those, you know, we're in a very real situation, but a lot is being tested in this moment at a very rapid pace. And the good that is going to come from this from a technology perspective is we're going to work all this out very quickly and we're going to be able to adapt and take advantage of technology for healthcare that we never... Dr. Keith, you probably imagined it for years, but you know, maybe a citizen or a healthcare provider really didn't see it going live in their environment. I'm excited to see the new doors that this is going to open for us from access to healthcare to quality of healthcare. And it's a really exciting time, even if it was brought on by something that is not so exciting as a whole. But I think we have a lot to look forward to in healthcare from here on out. Well, I agree. And just as a departure point, I would add, because you asked me the question about what's come to the forefront, it's become important to take a very, very close look at population health. And it basically is what it says. It's managing a population of people all the way down, drilling down to the individual basis. And it allows you to identify, track, and treat individual patients to prevent diseases from occurring. Mm -hmm. So if you see somebody that uh, will possibly develop, say, diabetes going forward into the future, you identify them, you track them, you treat them preemptively to try to either delay or preempt entirely the development of that problem. And it involves a lot of, of data analysis going through the medical chart, going through social determinants. Where do you live? Are you in a polluted environment? Are you under high stress? Do you have financial stresses? Do you smoke? You know, are you a highly stressed individual? All of these different things. Combining that with your genomic profile, if you've had one done, and your medical record and your experiences, combining all of that data and making these predictions, doing forecasting going forward. It's a very exciting field. And it's come into play very much so um, during this pandemic. So I just wanted to add that as no, well. No, that's awesome. And I, I would really like to have you back as you know things progress, specifically around COVID-19, but also as we see the advancement in technology and telehealth. Rob knows I love my puns, but to keep our finger on the pulse and get uh, <laughs> you to weigh in uh, frequently on what's happening in the industry. Because this. Oh, and weigh, yes, in and weigh in also. <laughs> yeah, I need that scale that lets <laughs> notify someone when I've gained six pounds. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Keith. Very insightful around what's going on around telehealth and how that is crossing state lines, how you know some laws are being removed that may or may not come back into play to make the advancement of telehealth more prevalent across the country. On whatever platform you are listening to us on today, uh, please make sure that you like, share, and follow. Um, it gets you the most recent episodes of Connection Tech Experience and more. And if you have any questions specifically around healthcare, please feel free to email us at podcastsconnection.com or you can contact your account manager should you have a need as well. Dr. Keith, thanks so much for joining. Rob, thanks so much for filling in during a little technology glitch of our own here today. Great talking to both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.